This is the old Trailblazer broadcast, and we're happy to be back with you today, uh, riding old Dan out, looking for sinners. Yeah, one day, Pastor Shelton, I remember, he was standing on the steps of the tabernacle. It's kind of cold, and had on an old hunting cap that someone had given him. And one of the young men come along and said, Hey, Pastor, I see you hunting. What you hunting? He said, I'm hunting sinners. I'm hunting sinners. Old Trailblazer's always looking for sinners. Are you a sinner? You say, Well, don't, don't, don't. Don't call me a sinner, Pastor. No, I don't call you a sinner. The Bible says that there are none righteous. No, not one. And I've often recommend you go there and read the first three chapters of Romans. If you do that, get a better picture of the total depravity of man. And our, our subject today, starting this day, is blood on the altar. Blood upon the altar at the east side of the garden. Oh, my friend. And I want to show you how one man got saved and how another man went to hell. We have a book here, uh, how a Baptist preacher went to heaven, and, and, and I, I'll quote you a price on it and give you more information about it later. I don't have it in front of me right now. But I want to show you how one man got saved and another man got, was lost. The greatest thing in this world is just to know the Lord. And I want to read some verses for you. If you don't mind, reach up there on the shelf and get your Bible. And turn there to Genesis 4.1. Let's read. I'm going to read it, and you read along with me, or listen, if you will. And Adam knew, why, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord, which literally means I have gotten a man from Jehovah. She thought, she believed, that this was the Redeemer, or the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. And the, and the Lord God had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And uh, Cain was wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Oh, my friend, how, how we're going to be looking at how God saves a sinner. Isn't that a gracious thing to tell you how the Lord saves a sinner? I don't hear much of that going on today, do you? Oh, I hear a lot of, of uh, a pulpit talk, they call it, uh, talking about making a decision for Jesus and trusting Jesus and having a Jesus day and uh, joining the church and speaking in tongues and all that for salvation. That's not salvation, my friend. We're going to show you here in the next few minutes exactly what salvation is. Now, uh, our first point will be two brothers coming to worship. Then the place of worship then the time of worship, and then the difference in worship and the result of worship. Here in this fourth chapter of Genesis, we have the story of these two brothers, the sons of Adam and Eve. Oh, isn't that something? They were the firstborn. They were the firstborn, Adam and Eve. Adam was created from the dust, and Eve was taken out of Adam's side and out of one of his ribs and made into a woman. But listen, the time of worship had come. They had been taught by their father and mother what was required in the worship and how they should come and when they should come and the place where they should come with their offering. 
It was not a question of their being ignorant, nor was there any guesswork about it. As they grew up from childhood to manhood, Adam and Eve had told their children how God saved them and how God saves a sinner. Over and over again, they had been taught by the word of mouth and by example that they were sinners and could only approach God through a blood sacrifice. Therefore, they knew the gospel of blood redemption. No, sir, they were not ignorant. No, they were not ignorant. Let's get away from all this caveman mentality and all that. Man, man, the Lord created Adam and Eve. He created them with a, with a mental capacity uh, that you and I could not even think about, my friend. They were not cavemen, though. You know, we have this theory out now, these, these people going around saying we came from apes and monkeys and all that stuff. And, and we have people teaching that in school, that we evoluted from a monkey, starting off with a tadpole and all those kind of things. And I remember when my children was in high school, in school, in grammar school, one of them came home and said, Daddy, the teacher told us that uh, we came from monkeys. And I knew the pastor had made mention of that in one of his messages, and I sent her word that we may have hung from our tails, but we, by our necks, but we never did hang from our tails. That's right. The old trailblazers' ancestors might have hung from their necks. I wouldn't doubt a bit what they did, but they never did hang from the tail. Let's get that out of our system right now. And if your, te- your children are coming home with that kind of a gobbledygook, if they're coming home with books that's showing a picture of man starting off in a little microorganism out there in the gulf somewhere or in the swamp somewhere and they're evoluting up to, a, to an ape and all those things, you put that trash away and tell them the story of how Adam and Eve were created and how the Lord saves a sinner. That's what we're looking at today. And uh, we have that story. And uh, in our study, we have these two men coming to worship. How one got saved and went to heaven when he died, and the other rejected Christ, or Jehovah Jesus, and went to hell when he died. Let's notice first a place of worship. In Genesis 3.24, we find these words. So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the garden, Eden, cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Here we find in the east of the garden an altar. When God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden, he established an altar there at the east side of the garden, a meeting place between man and God. That's what an altar is. That's where we come to that altar. Guarding that altar were cherubims. How many? The scripture doesn't say. And between those cherubims was a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the path of the tree of life open. <clears throat> to keep, yeah, right, to keep that. Genesis 3.24 then means that God dwelt at the east of the garden between the cherubims and the Shekinah, that is, the fire tongue or fire sword, to guard the way to the tree of life. This is clearly brought out in Genesis 4.3, which says, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. That is, he brought his offering to some particular place where the Lord manifested himself. The truth is also expressed in Genesis 4.16, which says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Then in Genesis 4.4, And Abel also brought of the firstling of the flock and of the fat thereof. The fat thereof indicates that there was an altar there where the sacrifices should be offered upon, 
and which the fat should be burned. Therefore, we have this picture of a place of worship. When Jehovah expelled man from the garden, he established a mercy seat at the east side of the garden, protected by the cherubims and the fire sword. There were symbols of the divine presence. Here man came to worship Jehovah and must approach this mercy seat by the way of sacrifice. That's what Adam and Eve learned, and they taught their children. There is, there is just uh, a sin-hating God was manifested at the altar between the cherubim. We see this picture again in the bush when God appeared to Moses there as a consuming fire. We see him again as he appeared between the cherubims in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle of the temple. And I want to call your attention to this fact. Here at the east side of the garden, he appeared between the cherubims, that is, the angels, as a sword which indicates a just and sin-hating God. Let me tell you something, friend. God hates sin. Does it ever dawn upon you? We don't we, we don't we look on sin now as just a little passing something. Well, you know, everybody sins a little. Little black lie, little white lie, little No, my friend, God hates sin. God hates sin. God loves a sinner, but he hates sin. Now, now listen, listen. Uh you put that down. God loves a sinner but hates sin. Unless you are separated from your sin, you cannot come into the presence of God. Now, you just drive a stake down there and hold to it, my friend. These fellas now who go around spurting off, they're thinking they're so smart that they can get to God any way they want to and any time they want to, they just don't know who they are and who God is, and they don't know how God saves the sinner. Let me call your attention to another fact. This is all interesting, isn't it? The flaming sword turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Look at those words, turned every way. If God had left some footpath unguarded, Adam and Eve and others may have stolen in by that path and made their way to the tree of life. But listen, listen, whatever path he tried, no matter how secret or how narrow, how steep or how difficult, no matter how silently he crept along or from which angle he approached, it was protected by the flaming sword and he could not get to the tree of life by his own way. Now, my friend, it's just so it is today with the grace of God. There's only one way of salvation, and that's by blood. By blood, what we're speaking of here, by blood redemption. By the spilling, the spilling, the shedding, the giving forth of the blood that our Lord gave there on the cross of Calvary, my friend. I wish you'd go there and read. Read the four Gospels, if you will, before our next service. This is our last service this week. And uh, before next Monday, go there and read the, the four Gospels, starting there at the Garden of Gethsemane. On up through the crucifixion, just take each one, Monday through, well, four Gospels, through Monday through Thursday, and read them. And then Friday, go back and read all five, all four of them. And, and you'll see there, may it just dawn on you, the importance of the blood, my friend. Old Dr. Roloff used to have a song on the radio I used to hear him occasionally. He sung a song. He was a great singer. He had a song entitled, The Blood Goes Deeper Than the Stain. And I promise you, I'm going to get it out of the archives one day and pray it for you on this little broadcast. The blood goes deeper. 
folks won't have a blood redemption now. They won't have a blood, bloody religion. Folks say, I don't want your bloody religion. Well, my friend, it's only by blood. Are you under the blood? We have another song, Under the Blood. Under the blood of Jesus, safe in the shepherd's fold. Under the blood of Jesus, safe though the ages roll. Sinner friend, are you under the blood? Has the blood ever been applied to your heart? The old trailblazer wishes he could sit down by your side. Look you in the eye and say, my friend, are you saved? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready to meet the Lord? We're going to see in our next study or two how that uh, Adam, that a- Abel was saved and Cain was lost. Why? Because Abel brought the blood and Cain brought the fruit of the ground. Oh, but the old trailblazer longs to hear from you folks. Let me know. Tell me, write me and tell me how the Lord saved you. Wouldn't that be grace if I could sit down by you and talk to you, tell you how the Lord saved the old trailblazer? But this is the old trailblazer, Pastor Albert Pendarvis, pastor here at Radio Missions where the gospel goes out on a regular basis, week after week, time after time. And I would that you'd let me hear from you. My mailing address, the old trailblazer, post office box 1810, Walker, Louisiana, 70785. We'll get back in our study coming Monday. And uh, if you would, you tell someone else about the broadcast. Holler over the back fence. Say, the old trailblazer coming on. Come on over here and drink some coffee with me. Let's listen to the old trailblazer. He's an old kook, but he's got a message for our heart. And if you would, uh, look up our website, radiomissions.org, and uh, uh, pray for me. Goodbye, and God bless you.